Welcome to Section 420, Talking Yankees. So fresh after sweeping those Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, or the Anaheim Angels, or the Los Angeles Angels, whatever you want to call them, at least we could guarantee that the Detroit Tigers will always be the Detroit Tigers. So they come for a three-game set at Yankee Stadium, and for on the on the mound for the Yankees, Garrett Cole. Now you remember last time Garrett Cole faced the Tigers in Detroit, had probably his worst start of his career, um, had to get yanked out of the second inning, and it was kind of a bit of a low period for the Yankees during that period, because yeah, the Yankees won that game, but he had... That situation, and then the game after, where the Yankee offense um, you know, really lost in that third game, couldn't muster up any offense, and lost like a, a real nail-biter towards the end there. It was just a, part, a, a period of the season where the fans were frustrated because the offense was terrible. We weren't sure where Cole's head is or where he was at physically. Kind of a low point. Then from that point on, uh, the Yankees would start rock and roll into this pace where they're at right now. Uh, but for the Detroit Tigers, um, they come to town now. Yankee fans were bribed a little bit to come to this game. There was about 42,000 fans. Reason being because it was Aaron Judge bobblehead day. But I don't think the Yankee fans really need to be bribed to come to this game because the Yankees are red hot and it's Friday night and good weather in the Bronx. So I think the place would have been packed anyway. But on the mouth, as I mentioned before, was Garrett Cole probably looking to get a little revenge. Uh, just again from getting embarrassed last time with Detroit and this was the vintage Cole that we thought we would get now remember previous game the third game against um, the Angels Tyone took a perfect game into the eighth inning well Cole liked that idea so I figured let me try doing that uh, so he actually went uh, seven innings of perfect baseball himself um, this game was pretty much a laugh early on uh, the Yankees got on the board in the third inning against a rookie Edwin Rodriguez home runs by Trevino and Judge and the Yankees would score a few bit more in the fifth inning including home runs by Rizzo as well as Matt Carpenter now his fourth home run as a New York Yankee so just how brilliant does that move look, look like right now and you know has four home runs in just a handful of games for the New York Yankees um, ended up you know a 10 nothing lead against Port um, Elvin Rodriguez who later on after the game um, it was obviously pretty obvious that he was tipping his pitches I guess he didn't realize at the time. I guess, I don't know if the Yankees, whatever, they picked up on that. So kind of a bit, big story around baseball. Even the tr Detroit press and Detroit Tigers themselves were like, oh, wow, we didn't even realize that. So kind of a re revelation. But the Yankees seem to be doing that lately. Again, I just mentioned before, Joe Madden um, figured that the um, Otani was tipping his pitches. And I guess now in this case, this individual is tipping his pitches. So I don't know whether it's Matt Blake or someone else is spotting this stuff on the Yankee bench. But kudos to whoever doing that. Uh, but this game itself was pretty much a laugh for the Cole. Cole uh, did take a perfect game um, into the eight, eight, um, uh, seventh inning. Well, unfortunately, with two outs, Jonathan Scope would blow it. But it was fine. Yankees had a, it was a breeze this game. Built up a 10-0 lead. Would end up winning 13-0. But, again, as good as Cole's start was, and, again, kind of, kind of con continuing what I mentioned before, just, um, this little pace of strong Yankee pitcher of going seven innings um, or more and surrendering one run or less. I'm going to call it a surrender any runs, but again, more strong starting Yankee pitching. But the story of the game was probably, uh, which didn't get too much coverage, which was the story of Manny Banuelos, as you may remember. It was in the Yankee farm system several years ago. The Yankees signed him off the Mexican lead back in 2008. And with him, and if you remember our old friend Del Impentances, as well as Andrew Brackman, were nicknamed the Killer Bees. And, you know, they were kind of, they were supposed to be like the future of the Yankee starting staff. And, well, I guess of all three of them, only Del Impentances really kind of became something. Was never a starter for the Yankees, a great starter, but was, very, you know, one of the best eight-inning setup men, you know, going back, you know, 2016, 2017 uh, for the Yankees for a couple of seasons there. Uh, but unfortunately, he had the Achilles injury, went to the Mets, and then kind of fizzled out there. Uh, so really, of all three of them, only Ben Tons has kind of made it, and Banuelos was kind of floating around a little bit. He was with the Yankee organization for a number of years. Uh, fortunately, they did just finally decided to part ways with him uh, after in the 2015, traded him to the Braves. 
Uh, again, kind of bounced around a little bit. And then finally this offseason, the Yankees decided to give him another shot, sign him to a minor league deal. And with all the injuries to Chapman and, of course, to Jonathan Weisiger and, of course, losing Chad Green to Tommy John surgery, kind of opened the door to Banuel. So they brought him up here and he finally got an opportunity for the first, again, he's been waiting for 14 years to pitch uh, for the New York Yankees in a, you know, in the, on the major league level. And he uh, provided two innings of shutout baseball. And it was a good story. Uh, and he actually wore number 68, which, if you may remember, that was Dallin Pantanza's number when he was with the Yankees, kind of sort of carrying that torch uh, just, you know, for the, the killer bees, which never worked out as a, a you know, probably three great starters, but good stuff hit Banuelos to close out the game. And the Yankees, again, the, the first game was a laugh for 13 to nothing. But it got a little drama afterwards, uh, because after the game uh, with, the, uh, with Stanton and Tim Locastro coming off the IL, they had to make space on the roster and decided to option Miguel, Miguel Andahar down to AAA. And for Miguel Andahar, you know, uh, when some players were down, he actually came up and he, ran, he you know, because he, 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 you know, took the call, uh, played some left field for the Yankees. And as you know, he kind of started off at third baseman. And from last year and this year, spring training and all, worked his way to be a, a decent left fielder. I'm not saying great, but decent, pretty decent. Has been hitting for the Yankees and, and, again, been part of this hot streak the Yankees been on. But unfortunately, being an option down to AAA, I guess he just took that as some of it a burn. It's like, hey, look, what else do I have to do to, you know, stick around here? Um, so he actually requested a trade, supposedly. Now, obviously, Yankees at this point hasn't, haven't made any moves there, but it seems like Andahar just wants his opportunity to be on the major league level. So we'll get a little a little into that afterwards. Uh, that was just kind of maybe the little negative Nelly of, of so far, of, of at least the, the Detroit um, series. Uh, so the second game, um, Louis, uh, Louis Severino on the mound, kind of picking up the baton where, where he left off from Garrett Cole. Gave the Yankees another strong performance. The Yankees staff overall held the Detroit just to one hit. Just one hit the whole game. So no runs, one hit. That's how strong the Yankees starting pitching was. Again, seven straight innings from Luis Severino. Ten strikeouts. Michael King will have a uh, take the eighth. And if Clay Holmes would clean out the, uh, the ninth for his eighth save of the season. And the Yankees with a 3 to nothing. Pretty much easy, you know, win. Um, home runs from Aaron Judge. You get another one. Actually lead, leading off as a leadoff hitter. Just, you know. Kind of crazy, but he, 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 I guess the guy could do it all. Home runs by Rizzo, and also a sacrifice fly from uh, Josh Donaldson returning from that shoulder injury. Remember, he was out a little bit as well, you know, just before the whole Jackie Robinson comments, and then he had the shoulder issue. So he's back as well again. So limited spots now on this Yankee roster, and again, part of the reason why Andohada had to go bye-bye. But it did also, this game, signify the return of Giancarlo Stanton. So good to see him back in the Yankee uniform, and as red-hot as Judge is, and now if he gets Stanton to kind of be what he was before he got hurt, hurt. I mean, this Yankee offense is really going to be very scary, which brings us to the third game, which is probably the most exciting game of the three-game set, included a comeback win from the New York Yankees, their 15th of the season, which they lead the league in, as well it ended up in their sixth uh, walk-off win against something else they lead the league in. So again, leading the league in a lot of good stuff, so a lot of good stuff from this team. But on the mound for the Yankees was Jordan Montgomery, uh, who in his previous start finally got his first win of the Major League season. Now this start... He wasn't as good. He unfortunately gave up two runs, so a very terrible pitch. He gave up two runs um, in the fourth, and he put the Yankees in a, in a two-to-nothing hole. But our friend Joey Gallo, who has just been absolutely terrible this season, the fans have been getting on him, hit a major 
two-run home run in the fifth to tie the game up. I would say probably not only his biggest home run of this season so far for him, but probably since he's been here since a Yankee, probably his best, biggest home run in that big spot. Again, he's been pretty much, a, you know, at least at the, at the plate, a really big disappointment. That was probably his biggest home run. I can think of a game last year when they were in Chicago in extra innings, a game that the Yankees blew and he hit a home run in extra innings and put the Yankees' head. You might argue that one a little bit, but I think this, given the circumstances as the way he's been off their terrible start, this was a really good home run for him just to tie the score at the point. Now, he had another opportunity um, in the seventh inning with bases loaded, uh, would strike out. So even though you know the fans gave him a little lovey-dovey for tying the game up, they had no problem booing the hell out of him for striking out in that situation. But luckily for the Yankees, DJ LeMay was up next, worked a walk uh, to uh, bring in the, the winning, um, the leading run at the time, so it gave the Yankees a three to two lead. Unfortunately, the Yankee bullpen, uh, which a combination of Schmidt and Castro, wasn't able to hold it and coughing up the lead, uh, gave the lead back to Detroit four to three. Uh, but it was in the, the bottom of the eighth, and really this was all manufactured mostly by Anthony Rizzo. Got hit by a pitch, and as we know, Rizzo kind of stands over the plate and gets hit by pitches a lot. Able to steal second, so not a type of guy you would expect to steal. Now, thanks to a fielding error from Jonathan Scope at second base, uh, Rizzo's able to take third. And then thanks to a uh, kind of um, infield little um, hit by uh, Gleyber Torres to Harold Castro at third. Another th- a fielding error allowed Rizzo to score at the point. Tied to score 4-4 for the New York Yankees. And again, that was pretty much all manufactured by Anthony Rizzo. Getting hit, stealing a base having heads-up base running to get to third base, and then heads-up base running again, scoring on a, a throwing error by Harold. So that was all manufactured by Rizzo without technically getting a hit. And it was that very same Rizzo who would be the hero um, in the 10th um, inning. So the Yankees had to go to extra innings on this one. Uh, so Judge was at second base as the ghost runner because he made the, the last out previously. Um, so that very same Rizzo would get a single, which would, would put Judge at third base. And then Josh Donaldson, Again, kind of fresh returning from the IL with his sacrifice fly deep to left field. For a second there, it almost looked like a home run, but the ball was hit so far to the warning track. Judge could have moonwalked home, and he walked home very easily, and the Yankees took the 5-4 to four win, and again, another sweep for the New York Yankees. And for you know Jordan Montgomery, unfortunately, he ended that streak of going seven innings and surrendering one run or less. He actually surrendered two runs. How dare he? But again, another strong performance for... Uh, Jordan Montgomery and the Yankee rotation, not only starting rotation, but also uh, the bullpen combined, again, the best team ERA right now in baseball. And if you just look at these Yankee starters right now, again, the only name that jumps off of you is, wow, a superstar is Garrett Cole at this point. Um, but overall, just the way they're performing lately, I mean, you got to look at the starting five here, and this is probably the best Yankee rotation we've seen probably since the 2003 Yankees. And that's a rotation that included like Clemens and Andy Pettit and uh, Mike Messina and uh, David Wells. I mean, so the names back there might have been bigger, but the way they're performing now, probably just as good as them, maybe even better. Uh, and they're doing it names like Nesta Cortez, Luis Severino, Jamison Tyone, Jordan Montgomery. Uh, so you just got to kind of pinch yourself and see how long this is going to last. Uh, but again, the Yankee rotation has been great and can contribute that maybe to Matt Blake, maybe a lot of scouting. We don't know. But also, again, you got to compliment Brian Cashman, who after many, many, many years, kind of his Achilles heel has been has been trying to put together a good, strong starting rotation. You know, he never puts a, a rotation that's a dumpster fire or it's terrible. It's usually adequate or good enough, but never performing at this level. So it looks like finally, after many, many trials and error, many injuries and many recoveries and many uh, trades that, that you know didn't work out, finally he's got a good starting fire there that, again, collectively right now is the best in baseball. I mentioned before that Miguel Andahar requested a uh, trade from the New York Yankees. It's because they demoted him down to AAA. 
give my take on the reason why you know the Yankees did that and kind of my opinion on it. But before we do, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Mentioned before, so wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, whatever, go Section Four Twenty Talking Yankees podcast. Subscribe and get exclusive content throughout the season and a little off season. So I mentioned Andercar requested the trade. Now you might see, you might say, why are the Yankees sending him down? You know, because we have. Hicks doing so terrible, Gallo doing really terrible, even though he hit that home run against Detroit, but still a putrid batting average. And Miguel you know, um, Andohar has been hitting well. Again, adequate left field. Not saying he's a gold glove or anything, but he doesn't really hurt you. And he's always, you know, someone, again, always has a great at bat. So you figure, why do the Yankees make a decision? Well, unfortunately, it has to do with money, has to do with pro- other prospects giving up, and also do with versatility and flexibility and, and what Andohar could ho- offer. So if you want to compare Andohar to, for example, Matt Carpenter, well, again, Carpenter, first of all, he's a left-handed bat, which the Yankees need more of. Miguel is righty, and still the Yankees, even though they've done a better job of it, are still kind of more of a righty-hitting team. So that's why you kind of give the nod of someone like a Carpenter over a Miguel Andohar. And if you look at Tim LaCastro, or he's someone you spent money on, and again, he gives you a um, little more weaponry of being um, a base stealer, so someone you could bring on late in the game to steal a base, which is something Miguel Andohar really can't do, as well as LaCastro's defense is much better than Andohar's. I'm not saying Andohar's a scrub, but again, LaCastro has a much important situation where he could play center field as well. Again, just from speed and all, that's why you would keep someone like him on the roster versus Miguel Andohar. And then lastly, probably the, the biggest head scratch, well, Two head scratches, but one of them would be Aaron Hicks, who is, again, off to a miserable start this season. Um, again, Andahar's been playing harder and earning it more, you would say, than Hicks has. But the problem is with Hicks, you invested a lot of money with him. You have three years left on that contract. No one's going to take a trade for that guy right now. So you kind of stuck with him. You can, I mean, technically cut him and say, hey, just get out of here. But again, with three years left on that deal, baseball's guaranteed contract, you just can't do that. So you're kind of stuck with him. And then going back to Gallo, who they picked up last season, the Yankees had to give up some chips to get him. Not, nothing big, but again, you gave up prospects to have him. And again, the advantage he has over Andahar is, again, he's probably a little bit better defensively. I mean, he won the gold glove last year. And he's a left-handed bat. Again, something the Yankees just need more of than what Andahar could provide. So... Kind of, it's just a bad situation for Andahar. It's not really like a situation where, you know, years pass, you know, when he kind of got beat out by Giro Shell at third base. You could kind of understood that because Shell was the better defensive third baseman and Andahar was kind of booting balls a little bit and there was really no place for him at the time. So at that point, you could understand why Andahar was, you know, was sent down to the minors. And he had some, you know, Andahar would have a few of these nagging injuries, shoulder injuries, wrist injuries for a while. Um, this, so kind of hurt himself there. But this season, again, Andahar has been healthy. He's been playing well. Again, he's learned to be a decent left fielder, but there's just really no spot for him. And this is what he could offer, which is a right-handed bat, which the Yankees don't really need. And he doesn't really do anything extraordinary other than hitting. I mean, he's not a great base stealer. He's not a supreme defender. So there's not else he can really offer that the other guys can offer. You know, maybe if he was a switch hitter, they'd consider it. But again, he can't. all he could offer them is a decent righty bat, uh, which, you know, he's a bit of a slash hitter. He hit a double here right, right now. But he doesn't offer you what other can offer. And again, you have money invested in Hicks. It's just it's not realistic. Unless you get to the point where the guy goes like two months without getting a hit, they're just still going to keep him on the roster just with the money he makes. And again, Gallo, just because he's a left-handed bat. He's a named player. Again, he's having a miserable season overall so far this season. But he has accomplished more in his past than Ando has. So just for those reasons, you're going to kind of keep him around. So we'll see what happens. Maybe there's an injury along the way that opens the door for Andohar. Um, I don't think they're dying to get rid of him. Because, um, again, once you know a player wants to get out of there, the other team that, let's say, you want to trade with, well, they know, hey, your guy's desperate to get out of there, so I'm not going to offer you anything great. So the Yankees are going to get a great offer from him. So we'll just have to see how, how it works out. 
Um, but, you know, unfortunately, it looks like that might be the end of the road for Anderhard just because he doesn't make any money and he does have the option to send them down. So they're going to do that. And you have money invested all these other players. And this is the way it is. Unfortunately, this is a bad break for Anderhar. So thanks for tuning in. So if you're the New York Yankees, one third of the way into the season, we'll look at one of the best Yankee teams probably in the past 20 years. And right now, if you're the Yankees, you want to make sure you get Chapman back and healthy. Again, he should be the closer. That's probably the best place for him, as well as Loisga, just so he could be the seventh or eighth setup man to join Clay Holmes in that little trio there. And of course, for the Yankees offensively, got Stanton back great. Hopefully his calf is healed and he can start mashing the ball again with Aaron Judge. So make sure you subscribe, Section 420 Talking Yankees, wherever you get your podcasts. Get additional content throughout the week. So you love seeing me, but you can hear me more throughout the week. So wherever you get your podcasts, go to Section 420 Talking Yankees and subscribe. Mm-hmm.